Welcome to Doing Time with Joe. I'm your host, Joe Baker, back again with another episode, y'all. In this episode today, I'm going to be talking about a recent murder case that went to jury trial a few days ago. Uh, and the conversation that came after it is what I want you to focus on. Um, but let me lay the foundation here. Back in, uh, what was it, December the 3rd uh, in 2020, a young lady named Caitlin Kaufman, she's a nurse that worked at Ascension St. Thomas Hospital. Uh, she was on uh, Interstate 440 on her way to work, and she was shot and killed, right? And it was these two young gentlemen that were in a car. Uh, what was his name? Devontae Hill and uh, James Cowan. They were in a car, and evidently, according to them, she they say she ran in front of them or something like that. So anyway, Devontae Hill, he shot at her, and he killed her. And they were both charged with uh, premeditated first-degree murder. Well, the jury uh, found the other day that uh, it was more than a week uh, at the trial, and the jury acquitted one of the men of murder, and the other uh, individual, uh, Mr. Hill, he was uh, convicted of second-degree murder, right? Which I think that's the correct verdict. Uh, None of us were there. Uh, He said it was just something that happened. It was a road rage incident. But I was talking to a guy, because both of these individuals were Crips, are Crips. And I was talking to a guy in here that is a Crip. And I'm like, man, what is it about the lifestyle that keeps people in? Because he's an older guy, and he, he talks a lot about getting out and wanting to get out. But he just hasn't made that move yet. And I understand the trepidation in that, but at the end of the day, I'm sitting here saying, what is the goal of it, right? I asked him a simple question. I said... Tell me, what's, what's the definition of gangbanging, right? And I'm not talking about gangbanging with any sexual connotation attached to it, okay? I'm talking about gangbanging as it relates to the lifestyle of a gang member, okay? Let's keep that clear here, okay? So when he told me that, he said that it's just about uh, how many people that you can bang on that wear the diff- a different color than you, what you represent, or banging on them about putting in work as far as the territory or drugs or something like that, right? So I said it really has no specific ideological aim at all. And he was like, no, not really. He said when it was first started, it was about protecting communities, right? But then it graduated from that into what you see today. It has no real aim, no real purpose other than to create chaos, and when I said that to him, he looked at me, he was like, pretty much. So that kind of threw me, and I'm like, okay, let me go look and see what, where did this word gang come from? Where did this term, as far as slang, and what does it mean? And let me just give you a rundown on that real quick from the research that I found. That word gang, because another guy jumped in the conversation, he said, well, the police put that on uh, the Crips and the Bloods and everybody else. Saying gangs, this gangs, that that's where it came from. I'm like, well, I'm sure the word was around way before that. So I went and looked it up. And what I found was that uh, this word came into common usage back in Shakespeare's time, right? And a guy named Frederick Thrasher gave the word its industrial era meaning in the 1920s. It made gang into a term which meant kids of the streets. That's what that means, right? Kids of the streets. And banging... That word means, the slang term definition of that, means putting in work. 
So you put those two together, it's kids in the streets putting in work or taking care of business in the illegal fashion. You know what I mean? And that's where you get gang banging from. Now, I went on to talk to him in that conversation. I asked him, I said, man, so tell me, do, do y'all pay dues? I said, vice lords and gangs of disciples, they pay dues. Do Crips pay dues? And he was like, nah, not really. He said, I said, so how do you support the organization? He said, man, look, at the end of the day, it's just about a lot of guys coming together representing a street. And based on that street and the colors that you might end up wearing, you say that you have some affinity or attachment to that. And you ride for that city or you ride for that street or you ride for that country. And riding, all they're talking about is riding the is, is you represent that. You represent that. And, and you represent that in a violent way, in an aggressive way. And all he kept saying was like, yeah, that's it. That's it. That's what it's about. So I'm saying, so what social benefit does it have for anybody? And he said, look, you keep asking the same question over and over. It doesn't have any social benefit for anybody that's in it or anybody outside of it. So, again, I guess I asked a dumb question. I said, so why is it that you choose to stay? And he said, I've been doing it for so long, I don't know anything else to do. And that really made me look at him like, what is wrong with you? Is this something psychological that's missing, that's going on with him that makes him feel like, you know, he wouldn't be, his self-worth, that's what I'm getting at, that he wouldn't be of any value to anybody if he didn't represent that lifestyle? Was that it? And I just kept wondering over and over and over, what is it that makes a person join something that it has no benefit to them and no benefit to society. And then after you join, what makes a, after you see what it's really like, what makes a person stay? What makes a person stay in a game after you realize it has no social benefit uh, and no benefit to you? And the answer that came to me was uh, it comes down to people that claim to have uh, high self-esteem, high confidence, but they really don't. And in addition to that, you will have some people that agree with the lifestyle. Now, we see we got to take that into account when we talk about these topics. Some people agree with it. Everybody is not coming from that angle of uh, I was tricked into it or I joined because I lived in a certain neighborhood, this, this, and that. Some people believe in chaos. Some people want that anarchist view of things to be dominant. Some people want to live like that. And we have to be honest about that as well. But I just wanted to talk about that for a minute and, and apply the aspect of, okay, let's get back to the case that I was talking about with that nurse, Miss uh, Kaufman, Caitlin Kaufman. During the trial, during the trial, uh, it was alleged and it was said that uh, Cowan, that was in the car, the young man, James Cowan, that was in the car, he was driving the car. And Hill was the passenger. And the prosecution alleged that Hill, well, that Cowan kept driving the car so that Hill could get a good angle and shoot Miss Kaufman. Hill testified that that wasn't the case. Hill said it was something that happened real quick, 
spur of the moment, road rage type of incident. And the jury believed that. And I think that's what happened, too. I can only go by what was said, but I think that's what happened. I think the DA was trying to nail him to the wall for different reasons, and that's something we'll talk about in another show. But I think that's what happened. But here's an interesting part of this story that sparked the conversation that I was having with the Crip in the unit. After the shooting, Calvin told Hill, man, you done effed up. What you do that for? And then they left, right? And then they went to a party. They had pictures. Of the prosecution put on uh, evidence that prosecution put on evidence that it was pictures of them at a party, at a Crips party, actually, having fun, laughing and kicking, or whatever the case may be. I think they did that to show that their state of mind was not one of concern or panic for the lady that had been shot and killed. It was one of this, you know, moving on, I, I don't know what's going on, and it didn't bother me, it don't hurt me, and the, trying to paint the picture that these guys were monsters, in my opinion. How can you be so uncaring about it, right? And they gave, a, they gave an answer to that. Uh, Hill said that he didn't want to say nothing because he wanted to be there for his kids. Uh, well, and, 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 and Calvin said that he didn't want to say nothing because the lifestyle that he lives, this is what I'm getting to, y'all, about this gang lifestyle, the lifestyle that he lives, uh, test, telling the police something that happened can get you killed. Now, let's explore that for a second. He knew, talking about Calvin, that the right thing to do was to call the police and tell them what happened. He chose not to do that because he had committed his life to an organization, to a lifestyle that forbid that without consequences and repercussions. He committed, he's committed his lifestyle, his life, to a lifestyle that forbids him from doing what the law says. Notice that I didn't say the right thing or the wrong thing. What the, 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 the lifestyle that he's chosen forbids him from doing what the law says. Now, codified society, we say the right thing is doing what the law says. But we can argue moral implications in different situations, uh, whereas a law on the book doesn't necessarily mean it's the right thing. We can do that, have that argument another time. But it sparked in me a question that I asked the guy that I was talking to. If this lifestyle has no social value, it has no value for the individual, then why would a person commit to it and understand that that commitment means that you have to conduct yourself in a way that would be opposite of the way that you were raised? Why would you commit to that? Because he knew that, according to his upbringing, that he should have called the police. Maybe he was just saying that for the, well, he'll testify Calvin didn't, but maybe that information just came to light because it was beneficial to the defense. But at the end of the day, uh, why would you not speak out about that? Why would you not say Because if you say you were afraid, I understand that too. I understand that too. 
But the law doesn't take that into account when you have an opportunity to get away. This story of you not coming forward because it could cause you to get killed came out after you were apprehended. However that happened. I get it. I believe you. I understand. And this is not about Devontae Hill or James Cowan. This is about this the lifestyle, the ideology. I want to pierce into that. If you believe that the right thing to do is to do the right thing and live by the law, then that lifestyle isn't beneficial. And if you choose to live that lifestyle, you have to understand that it is going to cause you to go totally against the morals and values that uh, your parents or grandparents or whoever raised you instilled in you. But the lifestyle that a lot of young people have taken on says that that's not the right thing to do. And then even after that, they don't leave. Because I wonder, you know, it was some guys in the pod and they, they were Crips too. And the other ones, they were Bloods and Crips and Vice Lords and Gangsters, you know what I'm saying? And they were all happy that he got off and upset that Devontae Hill was found guilty. And, of course, they tried to throw different issues in the mix. And I'm not saying that they didn't have some relevance, but everything is not about race. Or is it? Or is it? Was Devontae Hill found guilty because he was black? I don't think so. He admitted his guilt. Was Devontae Hill charged with first-degree premeditated murder because he was black and the victim was white? Maybe, maybe not. That's another show. I'm talking about this lifestyle that a lot of us have chosen to take on that makes us do things that we don't necessarily know. We, well, we don't believe is right, but we do it anyway. And I think we end up doing these things out of fear because we see other examples of people that have come forth and done these things. Like the guy that testified against him, he's Pyru. I don't know where he's going to go if he ends up getting locked up or if he doesn't get locked up. This man is labeled now as a snitch. Everybody saw him on TV. What are the consequences for him? What are the consequences for him? Because what this says is somebody that came forward and gave up information about two gang members. Now, this person's life and their, his family, their lives could be in jeopardy. But let's say that that were a person in the community that saw what happened passing by and they testified. Their life uh, wouldn't necessarily be in danger because they don't live that lifestyle. They don't live that lifestyle. It's kind of like they're hands off with them. But if it's somebody that's in the streets, in the mix, living a gang life, you are expected to keep your mouth shut. That's the part about the lifestyle. It's corrupting. It turns you into somebody that you're not. And the longer you stay in it, the more you participate in it, the more that part of you that is good erodes away. And you will find it difficult to do the right thing when you know it's the right thing to do. And that's why I wanted to talk about part of the reason I wanted to talk about this gang banging mentality. It's wrong. 
any lifestyle that will prevent you from being honest and doing the right thing under difficult circumstances or any circumstances is a lifestyle that you should think about not participating in. If you're a young person, male or female, and people make it seem to you that this lifestyle, gang lifestyle, is attractive, please, please, please tell your parents, tell your teacher, tell somebody so that they can help you understand, have a discussion with you and help you understand that this lifestyle, this gang lifestyle, is not attractive, it's not fun and games, it's serious. And when you pledge to it, you are pledging to die for it. Whether you die by the hand of your brothers and sisters or not, you're pledging to die for it. Commit yourself to a lifestyle that wants you to live, be happy, be honest. Because living a lifestyle as a gang member or a gang banger, there's nothing to be proud about. It's fake, it's an illusion. And a lot of people will say otherwise. But I'm going to tell you something. The brother that I was talking to about this before I started to do, uh, to do this, decided to do this show, he wants out. He wants out. But he's really afraid to take that step. He doesn't know what his life will look like after that. He's been doing it for so long that he just does not know what his life would look like. And I tell him, look, I used to live the life. I used to live it. And life is good after it. Life is great after it. Even though I'm still in prison. I have a sense of freedom that I did not have when I was a part of it. I get to make my own decisions. I decide for myself what I'm going to involve myself in or not not somebody else. And I think that's what he's missing. He doesn't really understand that yet. In time, hopefully he'll get it. I hope that he does. I pray that he does. But I, I wanted you to understand that this gang lifestyle is one that is very violent, very corrupting, and wrong. And we need to Collectively, collectively, all of those, all of us that have uh, turned away from the lifestyle and rejected the lifestyle, we all need to stand up and say enough is enough. We want to hold on to it because we don't want to rip away from it because we we still have uh, those relationships. And that's something I talk about, the social consequences of changing your life. Those relationships, those relationships that are... Uh, we still participate in and have and enjoy because they're part of the lifestyle. We don't want to let those go. We're afraid that they won't like us. Well, let me tell you something. I walked away from the lifestyle and a lot of the guys that I became friends with, they accept my decision and they still care for me. They know that I'm not with it, but they still mess with me. So just think about that. You won't be alone. You won't be alone. It'll feel weird at first, but it won't be alone. And again, don't join. Don't even put yourself in this position, okay? 
I'm going to wrap it up because I'm babbling now. I know y'all sick of me <laughs> talking. <laughs> but this has been another episode of Doing Time with Joe. I'm your host, Joe Baker, and I say peace, y'all.